You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. I was thinking a lot this week about people who try to make a name for themselves. And the funny thing is, sometimes people make a name for themselves who aren't trying. I think of most memes, and it was people who were not even trying to make a name for themselves, but suddenly got internet popularity and internet fame. However, the internet is full of people who were trying to make a name for themselves, but they failed horribly. They failed miserably, and and maybe they were trying to do a a stunt, and they just crashed, and so they ended up on a fail video. Or maybe they were trying to do a shock and awe, kind of like just shock thing, and it backfired on them, and maybe even they got prosecuted for it, and it just didn't go how they thought it was going to go. One thing we know about humans is that they often want to make a name for themselves. We were created for eternity. And so what happens is we want to have our name last beyond the span of our lifetime. We want to make a name for ourselves and it's just part of human nature. Some of the things that make me love what I uh, watch online a lot are uh, the talent shows. Have you ever seen like uh, talent shows where a singer or an artist or a performer will go out and they go in front of the big crowd and they finally get their big chance. And this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to let people see you and let people hear you. They wanna make a name for themselves to literally like jumpstart their career. And I watch these things and they, they, perform and they do a great job and then the judges speak into their life and what's happening and I I don't know why but those shows always make me cry like I I I'm so happy for them I'm so moved by the performance and then by the reaction of the judges and the reaction of the audience and the I'm sure the great editing and all that goes into making tv but it moves me to tears and I I begin to cry and then Heather walks in and she makes fun of me and she says she's like oh are you a little emotional today watching these videos? Are you a little emotional today? And she makes fun of me, but, but it does. It moves me to tears. And I, I love to celebrate people when they get their moment and they use their God-given talents. And 90% of the battle, I think, for people who are in, in show business or in entertainment, 90% of the battle is just getting someone to see you and to hear you. I mean, that's it. That's why they know if they get on that show, it might lead to their big break because finally the right people, the masses of people will see you and they will hear you. To see and to hear is often what makes a name. I mean, isn't that what kids say all the time? You know, kids would be like, daddy, 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 did you see me? Did you see me when I was doing these dangerous stunts? Daddy, did you see this? Did you see that? And they want to, little boys often want to know, did you see? And of course, little girls, they want to know, did you hear? Mommy, 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 did you hear it when I tried this? Mommy, mommy, did you hear my cover song? They'll just say like, mommy, did you hear me? Did I sound exactly like this character? To be seen and to be heard. Well, as the launch of the early church started, there were two things that God keyed in on to continue to make the name of Jesus Christ great. Though Jesus had been crucified, he was dead, he rose from the dead, he appeared to people for a time span of about 40 days, including 500 people in one viewing. It was no secret all over Jerusalem that Jesus had in fact risen from the dead actually. Historians don't disprove it or discount it. The evidence from the eyewitnesses of that first century is absolutely overwhelming. And Jesus had been seen And Jesus had been heard, 
But now he's ascended up into heaven and the disciples are charged with the launch of the early church, but they're waiting on God's Holy Spirit, the power from the Spirit to arrive before they proceed. They don't run ahead of God, they wait for him. And that's where we pick up today in Acts chapter two, beginning with verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place and suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues and amazed and perplexed, they ask each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And the apostle Peter, who is speaking as he's filled with the Holy Spirit at this time, he basically says, we are not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. And we are actually communicating to you. But this amazing thing happens and you wonder why in the world would this amazing thing that happened draw all these people together? Well, if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Tongues are not babbling or gibberish, but other known languages given with the purpose of preaching Christ. People want to debate all the time what speaking in tongues is. And in this situation, it's very crystal clear that they are actual known languages with the purpose of preaching Christ, not preaching what the Spirit is in fact doing in the moment, but the Spirit's role is to preach Christ. And I want you to know that in your life and in mine, the role of the Holy Spirit in us, one of his main roles is that you and I let Christ be seen in us and heard through us. That's his role. Well, it's Pentecost. It's about 40 days after what we would celebrate as Easter or 50 days after the Jewish Passover. And so Pentecost has arrived and there's this sound of rushing wind. And and I want you to realize, because I think sometimes people skip over this when they read the scriptures, that it wasn't a rushing wind. It was actually only the sound of a wind. Could you imagine the sound of an immense wind when things are actually still And you wonder, why is there this loud sound? And and, and I think for the launch of the early church, for the arrival of God's spirit now with people to indwell them and stay with them and not come and go, but to stay, came with this sound that was like, unlike anything else they had ever experienced. You gotta remember, this time is first century. There are no airplanes. No one has ever heard a jet engine. No one has ever heard a car or a motor or a train. So to hear a sound uh, that's like wind, it's so powerful without there being wind, without there being a tornado, without the, the trees moving much at all, that all of a sudden they hear this sound and they wonder what it, what it's like. Luke, who's writing this, 
is writing in Greek and, and our word echo comes from the Greek word that's used here for the noise. So there's this noise that we would now say is like an echo. It's a powerful sound. And ours would have a reverb to it. It would come back to us like an echo. But for them, what they began to hear in this loud noise that happens is sound like a wind. They began to discern the sound and their ears began to pick up the sound of their own languages, even though most had traveled from all over the world. Well, they were filled by the Spirit. And people oftentimes, they were like, I want to be filled by the Spirit. And they, they're not really sure what that means. And, and what I want you to realize is that these are unique circumstances. That there was these tongues of fire. That there was this sound like a rushing wind. That they began to speak in languages that were not learned languages for them. But they're known languages. That there were these combined signs. These three together. The fire, the sound, and the languages. Those three were together at the launch of the early church. Well, the signs at the birth of Christ were in combination. At the birth of Christ, there were shepherds, there were angels, and there was a moving star. So those three were in combination. And what's unique about God is that he doesn't bring that combination back. You don't see the, the signs of, of the shepherds and angels and the moving star happen again in scripture. And in the same way, you don't see the signs of the sound like a wind and the tongues of fire and, the, and all these languages happening in combination together again in scripture. It doesn't happen in that way for the apostles. They are filled by the spirit. He has arrived and now he stays People will often talk about, well, what does it mean to be baptized by God's Holy Spirit? And I want you to know that baptism in the Spirit takes place at one time in a believer's life. And that is at the moment of belief that a person who's rejected God or run away with it or had their own opinions about Jesus receives Jesus as Lord. They put their faith and their trust that Jesus' death, his blood, his body given, turned away God's wrath against our sin and it paid for it in full. And they put faith in the fact that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. And they say, I give my life to that. I give faith to that. I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Messiah. He's the only way that I'll be saved. And when people do that, they are at that moment baptized by the Holy Spirit. What was outside now comes inside. That's it. However, we're to regularly be filled and fueled by the Holy Spirit. And we're to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. We're to follow his lead in our lives. Now, I got to say something. If you're going to launch the early church, if you're going to announce that the gift of salvation is now open to all nations through Jesus Christ, the first thing that you do is that you're going to preach Jesus in all languages to all nations. That's the first thing. It's a beautiful thing that God does here, that in the coming of the Holy Spirit, he's announcing that this is not merely a Jewish Messiah that's only for Jewish people, but now this salvation through Jesus is open to all people worldwide forever, and you're going to preach it in all languages. If you're taking notes, write this down, that the Holy Spirit restores what was lost at the Tower of Babel. One eternal kingdom under the person and the name of Jesus Christ. You say, what was the Tower of Babel? Many people have referred to it. Some people know what that is. Others don't. It happens in, early on in the, the story of people in Genesis in chapter 11. It says this, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. 
But as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a city, build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered all over the face of the earth, the whole earth. What happens at this point is that God sees what people are doing, that they want to make a name for themselves. And the point is that there's no other name under heaven that should be lifted up and praised except for one God through Jesus Christ. And so what does God do in that time at the Tower of Babel as they go to this endeavor to build this great tower? Construction stops because God gives people different languages in a moment and they can't understand each other, and they can't get along, and they can't communicate with each other. So they gather together according to languages, and they begin to move and disperse and spread out over the face of the earth. That was the start of the languages. But now at the birth of the early church, in a sense, the Holy Spirit's coming is making one eternal kingdom under the person and the name of Jesus Christ. But I want you to feel that there is a tension there. The tension is that people often want to make a name for themselves. And the Holy Spirit's role is to lift up not even his name, but the name of Jesus Christ. That that is the name that we're to elevate. That is the name we're to lift up. And here's why you need this sermon today. You want to make a name for yourself. But God wants you to repent and be baptized and give your life to the name of Jesus Christ. There are certain ways that people want to make a name for themselves and trying to make a name for yourself isn't what ultimately satisfies your soul. God wants your soul to come to your creator. God wants your soul to honor him that you and I were created to lift up and elevate God. And he's drawing you and I back to himself through the spirit and the launch of the early church. So Peter goes out there and as they're speaking and the disciples are speaking, Peter begins to preach what I believe is one of the most powerful sermons in all of scripture. But he says this in Acts 2 verse 22. He says to the Israelites, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. He goes on and says this, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so as people now are hearing in their own languages about Jesus, the first thing that Peter does is he calls out the people, the Israelites, those who've seen all these signs and events of the times right there in Jerusalem. And he basically says to them, you know it. Deep down on the inside, you know, you saw the miracles of Jesus. You saw the signs he was doing. You saw the wonders that Jesus did. God's power and approval is evident through the second person of the Godhead. That is Jesus Christ, the long awaited Messiah. He's saying, you know it. You know, he's the Messiah. You saw God's hand of approval on him through all these signs and wonders. He is the Messiah. See, and that's the problem in our world that a lot of people know it. 
They know it. Many of you know it. You know that when you get surprised, sometimes when you get injured, you say the name of Jesus. You might say it in vain. But the reason you say that name is because you know deep down in your soul that there is power in the name of Jesus. And so you say it, you know it. Sadly, sometimes people give their lives to Jesus but will become internally afraid about what other people might think of you. So you know there's power in the name of Jesus but you might hold back from speaking about Jesus because you're afraid of other people. You're afraid of people who have names. You're afraid of people who have powerless names that will pass away because they will be held and trapped by death to be lost forever. And you and I get intimidated by that. And the Holy Spirit's power is to take normally maybe afraid or bashful people and to make them bold in the spirit to preach the name of Jesus. And so we see these uneducated Galileans, these many of them fishermen or day laborers, and they basically come out now and they're saying, they're boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus to the people of Jerusalem. And listen to me, they're proclaiming the name of Jesus to the people and the leaders and the authorities and all the masses of people who killed Jesus. It was a risky thing to do. But here they come out and they begin to preach the name of Jesus to people whose names we will never, ever know who were in that crowd that day. We'll never know. People who wanted to make a name for themselves, but they only found themselves when they gave themselves to the name of Jesus. So he says, you know it. You know there's power in Jesus' name. Second thing he says is, you put him to death. You participated in putting him to death. And I love how he says it. He's like, God planned it to happen that way. God planned it with his foreknowledge. And it was his deliberate plan to have Jesus die that way. But he says this, he, God doesn't lessen the guilt. Like Peter doesn't let the people off the hook. He doesn't like, hey, this was God's plan. You were just going along with it. He basically just says, you killed him. You did it. And he said, listen, people, they are born to die, but death couldn't hold Jesus. It couldn't hold him. And I love that Peter didn't lessen their guilt. He said, you know it. You saw with your own eyes. You heard his words. You heard his teaching. And yet you put him to death. You killed him. Peter didn't lessen their guilt. And I want you to know that God doesn't lessen your guilt or my guilt in the death of Jesus. That it was your sin, my sin, that was God's plan to fix our sin problem. It's what sent him to the cross thousands of years before you and I were born. God now does not lessen our guilt in the death of Jesus. But the beautiful thing is that we can have access to eternal life, that God's wrath can be turned aside because of the gift of God through Jesus to offer salvation to us. And I wanna let you know that some of you, you have conspired to deny Jesus. You know it, but you might currently be trying to put him to death. You might want to deny him. You might want to ignore him. You might want to say you follow him, but you're really just living as you please. You're not following him. You're not keeping in step with the spirit. You're not walking by the spirit. But make no mistake, God through Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. 
In Acts 2.32, Peter goes on. He said, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. And let me just pause right there because it's amazing that we're all witnesses of it. He, if people weren't witnesses, if they didn't think Jesus had risen from the dead, this is one of the things that historians cling to because they realize the very first people who could have displaced the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ they could have shut that down if, in fact, it didn't happen, but it happened and everybody saw it. They all heard about it. They knew that Jesus had, in fact, risen from the dead and they had 40 days of his presence being around where they got to see with their own eyes. They knew that God had raised Jesus to life. We are all witnesses to it. Verse 33 says, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and what you hear. He's saying, you heard, you heard this wind. You see these tongues of fire. You're seeing the message through Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you, Peter is saying, that you know it, that you put him to death, but God raised him. When God raised Jesus, it reversed humanity's judgment of Jesus. See, people always have a judgment about Jesus. They always have an opinion about Jesus. But the resurrection is the reversal of people's disbelief of Jesus. It's the reversal of their persecution of Jesus. The resurrection just undoes their persecution. The resurrection turns aside their mockery of Jesus. And Jesus's resurrection was actually foretold over 1,500 years earlier by David as he wrote in the Psalms. In Psalm 16, verse 27, Peter quotes this verse. He says he, that the Holy One of God is not abandoned and would not see decay. He's writing, forecasting about the future Messiah. And Peter is saying, listen, you know it, you hear it. In fact, the Old Testament scriptures point to him and this was fulfilled in him and through his resurrection. They're saying, listen, in verse 27, the Holy One was not abandoned. People think God turned his back on God on the cross. Didn't happen, he wasn't abandoned. It was his plan all along. And two, Jesus' body did not see decay. Next, God exalted Jesus to heaven and now brings to us God's promised Holy Spirit, which the people could see with flames they could hear through hearing the message about Jesus in their own language. Christians, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, let me just talk to you for a moment. Is your life a visible demonstration of God working in your life as a person who doesn't have it all together, but you are a new creation because of the Spirit of God? Are you allowing people to see God at work in you or are you silencing yourself about Jesus? I wanna encourage you to let them see. Let them see you be real let them see you be authentic. Let they, them see you in process as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, as you, as you walk through life and you struggle with things and you face the tensions of life. Let them see that. But also let them speak, let yourself speak so that they can hear. They cannot learn about Jesus unless someone speaks to them. And the role of the Spirit is to get people like you and me to not only let people see God in our lives, but to hear about Jesus Christ as we speak. One of the great ways that you can speak, and I think it's pretty simple, is that you can actually share this, church online. You can share it. Don't underestimate the power of a share. 
This week I was downtown in Sacramento and I went to a camera shop and I got in a conversation with a, uh, a person I've met before there uh, at the camera shop and she just said, listen, it's awesome. I've been started watching church online and she just said, your sermons are awesome. Like it's just been great for me. She actually has to work on Sunday mornings because on the weekend, that's big business for a camera shop. So she's scheduled to work every Sunday, but she's watching church online and beginning to engage with it because of church online and what you can do. Why? Because one, of, uh, one person in our church shared with her the link. So we want to give a shout out to Jessica for watching church online. Don't underestimate the power of a share. Peter goes on. He's talking to these Israelites. All these people are hearing about Jesus in their own language. And in verse 36, he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and then, and they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Let me say today, for some of you, that will be you, that God's been calling you. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. He said, quote, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It's amazing what he says. He says, repent and be baptized. What shall we do if you're taking notes? Write this down. Repent and be baptized. Both can be accomplished in a single day. There were about 150 followers of Jesus, but after the sermon by Peter, about 3,000 were added to that number of Christ's followers. And today is the day for some of you to repent, which means turn away to be baptized. I love what he says here. He says, he says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Why would he say that? That's a weird statement for him to say, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And what he's doing, he's speaking to Jewish people who would remember from their history that way back in the time when God rescued people out of Egypt and freed the Hebrew slaves, and as they moved out of captivity and they were going to receive and take hold of the promise, the gift of the promised land, that there was a whole generation who didn't believe and God made them wander in the desert because of their disbelief until they all died except for two people from that generation, for Joshua and Caleb. And he only allowed them to go in because they were the two who believed that God could do it, that God could give them this beautiful promised land. And so as every Jewish person is listening to the, the message of Peter, they're instantly thinking back, I don't want to be like that generation that died in the desert. And they're saying, we're guilty. We knew that he was the Messiah and we handed him over to be killed. And what shall we do to be saved? They're cut to the quick. And Peter's saying, listen, don't be like that old generation with this current corrupt generation that killed him. Give your lives to Jesus. Repent and be baptized. Well, what does repent mean? What does it mean to you and to me? Repent means turn around. 
You're walking away from God. You're shunning him. You've got your opinions about him. You're disbelieving. You make jokes about people who talk about God and you're walking away and repentance means you just turn back around. You turn toward God. You turn toward the gift. You turn toward belief. The promise is ahead of you. The gift is offered to you of eternal life. You turn toward that and you receive it, a free gift because of the death of Jesus on the cross. You turn toward God because his name is the name that matters and the only name by which you can be saved. Peter tells the very council of rulers in Acts chapter 4 he says this in verse 12 salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved he tells this to the very council of people who condemned Jesus to death the very same group over a month and a half earlier he tells them that there's no other name under heaven, given to mankind, by which we must be saved. See, the problem is you want to make a name for yourself. And God wants you to come to yourself by giving yourself to the name of Jesus Christ and to give your life to the name of Jesus Christ, to give your life to making his name great, not on a popularity contest, but in a, an appeal to people who are lost, who are perishing, that they might come and repent and be baptized. Well, what is baptism? Does baptism save? No, baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is a public demonstration that you're associating your life. You're saying, I've already given faith to what Jesus did on the cross. He was on the cross. He was dead. He was buried under in the ground. He was raised to new life. And so baptism is a public declaration of that belief. And it's a beautiful thing. So what do we do? As Jesus instructed, we baptize you underwater. You model that my life is now being buried, my old life, and now I am a new creation because of God's Holy Spirit, because I put my faith and my trust, I turned toward God, and I repented in that way. That's what baptism symbolizes. And people ask a lot of questions about baptism. They ask, well, if I was baptized as a baby, should I get baptized again? And I want to say, yes, you should, because the Bible teaches what's called believer's baptism. The Bible teaches you make a choice to put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's almost an adult decision. You're saying, I'm choosing for myself, not my family chose for me, not my heritage chose for me. I mean, remember, some of these people who are listening that day had probably been baptized by John the Baptist out in the desert. But that was a preparation to get them to open their hearts and their ears and their eyes to see that Jesus, in fact, was the Messiah. That was a foreshadowing. This baptism says, I've put my faith in the finished act of Jesus dead on the cross. And now I'm associating my life with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so, yes, you need to be baptized. And I get it, like there are people sometimes who have water terrors, there are people who get afraid of being in front of other people and doing that. And what I wanna tell you today is this, you need to be baptized. Like God went through so much for you and me and the first act of obedience of a believer as we begin to repent, as we turn toward God, the first act of turning toward God and giving him our faith, the first public act is to be baptized. And so you need to be baptized. And what I wanna tell you this is we want you to be baptized today today, literally today. 
if you're local in the Sacramento region, we want you to come here by the church that we're here in Elk Grove and we're at the church and we'll be here until 2 p.m. And we want you to drive up in your car and we're gonna baptize you and we're gonna go ahead and do that. You can wear your mask. We'll baptize you in it. We'll bring you back up and you, you can bring your own towel and you can drive home wet if you want to. But the amazing thing is you should get baptized and not wait. Don't wait, get baptized today. We are here now, come by the church. People, if you do it, will have something to see and the beautiful thing is you will have something to say. Why? Because you walked in obedience of being baptized today. Now, if you're not in the area, I want to tell you that you need to be baptized. Be baptized. If you are now putting your faith and trust in Jesus, find a friend who's a Christian and ask them to baptize you. And what I want you to do is to record it on your phone and I want you to send it to us. And the host can tell you how to do that in just a little bit. Our circle groups are gonna study what this early church now launched by the Holy Spirit began to look like and what some of the markers were of the early church at the end of Acts chapter two. And again, I wanna encourage you this next week, read Acts chapter three and I'll be preaching on it next weekend. But we want you to be in your circle group to study Acts chapter two deeper this week. You might be in a Zoom group. You might be in an online group. You might be meeting in someone's backyard or home, practicing social distancing, but we want you to go deeper. But all of that to say that if you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus's death on the cross, paying for your sin, his burial and his resurrection to new life, now he offers you eternal life. If you've never said yes to that free gift of eternal life, if you've never said yes to having your sins washed away, if you are realizing for the first time that when Jesus was on the cross, God's wrath was focused on him because of our sin, and your sin, and it was paid in full by Jesus. And so God's wrath as he looks at you is turned aside when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And if that's you today, if you're saying and you're on the inside, your hearts are burning and you're saying, what should I do to be saved? Let me tell you what you do. You need to repent and be baptized. But repent means have a conversation with God. And it might sound something like this, right where you are, just pray something like this to say, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried and that you rose to new life. I ask you to come into my life. Give me your Holy Spirit. Would you forgive me of all that I've done wrong and wash me as white as snow? Make me a new creation on the inside because today, Jesus, I give you me. And right now, if you've prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, then you are a new creation. You don't have to fear death anymore. We're all gonna experience death, but death will not have its hold on you any longer. Like Jesus, you will rise to new life. Your sins are gone. You don't have to fear death. You are a new creation and we are celebrating with you. And maybe right where you are in your living room or by your, yourself, will you just maybe give God some shouts, some praise, some applause. We're so excited for what God is doing in and through us in this place because of the power of his Holy Spirit. And we love you. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.